Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. When you're looking hard for something, it never shows up. But in that process of looking and, and it not showing up, I started to question whether I was enough, just as I was. And I got to the place where I had to really confront any doubts that I had about that. I knew that I was at a crossroads, that if I can accept this and embrace this and love that I am enough, something really wonderful is going to happen. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, today I had the honor of interviewing uh, Mr. Stephen Washington. He's the author of Recovering You, Soul Care and Mindful Move for Overcoming Addiction. We talked about many, 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 many different things. Very um, important conversation around addiction. We talk a little bit about Qigong and what it is. Some differences between Qigong and Tai Chi, which many of you may know about. And just the general effects or powerful effects that a mindful movement has on your health as a vehicle, as a tool to help you overcome any addiction. It doesn't need to be cocaine or uh, marijuana or alcohol. It could be food. It could be wine. It could be an addiction to sabotaging yourself in relationships. So it's a great interview, powerful, and there's a lot of synergy there. Close your eyes and open your ears and enjoy it. Big hug to you all. And let's go. Good people. Welcome back. It's been a while. Another episode of the True Prescription Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Stephen Washington. How you doing, Stephen? Good. I'm good. Dr. Gathers, nice to see you. Nice to be in your energy. Yes, yes. Thank you. And um, I'm excited to get into this conversation. There's a lot, of, a lot of synergy, actually, between our stories. We'll get into it. But first part of the show, we always allow you as the guest to share with the public what was that truth in your life that you realized that you were either ignoring or you just weren't aware of? And that once you accepted it, created a breakthrough for you and you were able to just open up so many different avenues and channels in your life? That's a great question. Thank you so much for asking it. What comes up for me is the lesson and the truth that I am enough. I am enough just as I am, warts and all. <laughs> And it's, that lesson has shown up in my life in so many different ways, in so many different areas. And once I was able to recognize it and accept it and really embrace it, there was a shift and a transformation. I can think of two different times and two different specific areas of my life where that came up. And once I was able to move through it, it changed. The first one was I lived in New York for a really, really long time. I was a dancer, had a whole career there. I went to college. I grew up there, basically. <laughs> okay. Like, 
Where'd you go to college? I went to NYU. Wow. Okay. With the Tisch. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But I grew up in Connecticut, but I moved to New York at 17 and I, I grew up there. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when I moved to California, I moved there because a lot of different things. I wanted to go back to school and try something new and change my life. But I also was looking for a partner. I was also looking for a love. And something inside of me told me that the love was not in New York. So it was somewhere in California. And I came here and I was looking, I was looking, I was looking. And the thing is, when you're looking hard for something, it never shows up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it never shows up. But in that process of looking and, and it not showing up, I started to question whether I was enough, just as I was. And I got to the place where I had to really confront that confront any doubts that I had about that. I knew that I was at a crossroads that if I can accept this and embrace this and love that I am enough, something really wonderful is going to happen. And then the next time that happened was a few years later when I was in Chinese medicine school. And I thought that's what I wanted to do, become a Chinese medicine doctor. And that was not the case when I got there. And all this old stuff came up for me of like not feeling like I was enough, not feeling like I was smart enough to be there, like I didn't deserve this opportunity. And I had to squash that. I had to squash that. And because I wouldn't, I wasn't able to move forward unless I did. It ended up not being the place that I needed to be. I, I, I went and I used that as a springboard to somewhere else, to something else. But I had to, I had to look at that old story about not enoughness in order for me to, to move forward. Ah, uh, man. Yeah. Can you relate? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's so many instances I, I want to share. I'm trying to think, well, I'll say connected to that, the sentinel moment for me was, you know, my first marriage, we had gotten into a big argument and I left the house. I went to a hotel, fell asleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I remember looking up at the ceiling and just feeling this sense of deep aloneness. And immediately had this urge to run back home. But in all that melee, called the mental melee, I realized, wow, something's really wrong here because this relationship is clearly not healthy, not beneficial for either parties. But I'm running back there because there's something inside of me that feels empty. So similar to the not enoughness, that's kind of how I can connect to it. But I think, you know, I'm a mindset coach and, and, and also work with people on their health more on the allopathic side, but I grew up sort of in an Eastern medicine environment. My mother gave me a book on meditation when I was eight years old. And, you know, I didn't eat meat until I was 14 and, you know, all these different things. So it's in me. Actually, funny, I thought about you. I was like, the two of us will make a nice combination, <laughs> you know, because your movement and energy work is so powerful and it's helped me so much in my personal development and then also sometimes you just need some medicine, right? And so I think both sides and also a mindset set shift. One of the things that you said uh, in your interviews that, that I think is beautiful is that you can have a mindset shift. You can think differently, but then you have to act. You have to move. Yeah, you have to take an action. Yeah. And so that's often a lot of times my challenge is that, you know, work with clients, we figure out what the issue is in terms of their thinking. We make a change, but then now the action part comes, right? So- Anyway, I just, I, I'm just, I just think that, you know, what you do is really, is really important and powerful. Thank you. So thank you for sharing your truth. So let's get into your book a little bit. So you wrote a book 
congrats, first of all, because writing a book is like birthing a baby. <laughs> I've never, I never had a child, right, so right. I don't know what that's like, but yeah. I, I felt like that was kind of similar in some ways. Man, I mean, you, creative energy, labor pains, like I'm, I'm sure it, it was, it's difficult. I've tried several times to write a, I wrote a book, but it wasn't the sort of full fledged offering that I wanted to give. And, and you actually motivated me a lot yesterday, listening to you talking about how you had an online course that basically turned into this book. And so sometimes I think it's important we think we can't do things, but a lot of times the nidus or the seeds for what we want to do is already there. It's, it's actually there. We just have to do a little bit more, but it's there. And be flexible with the idea of it too, because we get so fixed on, well, it has to be a certain way. It has to come in this form. <laughs> right. But if we open it up, it allows it to, that same energy to come forth in, in a different form, the form that it's supposed to. So, so your, your book, love the title, uh, Recovering You which is to play on recovery, but I love it, recovering you. And the sort of subtitle, Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. So do you think addiction is a gift? It certainly is for me, has been for me. Nice. And that's in part because I survived. Mm. It didn't kill me. Not everyone makes it. Not everyone makes it. So I'm very grateful to have survived addiction and had the opportunity to live another life. I've honestly have lived two lives in this one lifetime. When I think about it, maybe even more, but it's definitely been a gift for me because it's taught me so much. It's taught me so much about myself, about other people. It's set me on a path of healing that I don't know how I would have begun this work had I not been an addict and an alcoholic. Yeah. So I'm grateful that I've been able to see it as a gift. And, and I feel as though the people that first introduced me to recovery long ago shared it with me in, a, in that way, framed it in that way that this could be not the end of your life or the end of your world or your sense of yourself. It is just the beginning, a transformation, a, a transition into something different, something new, something bigger. Yeah. Great, great, great point. And, you know, I think for people that are listening that may be going through something, I think it's really important. It's the reason I asked this question. I think it's really important to understand that what you have is a gift. It's an opportunity. If this wasn't occurring, you probably, as the gentleman just said so, so cleanly, you probably wouldn't be thinking about, about healing or thinking about what the next thing in my life is. For so long, I think people when they're going through addiction or traumas, you know, have a, a victim complex, right? That there's no way out. This thing is happening to me instead of something that's happening for me, right? So it's interesting. Addiction, the way I describe it is almost like the method that you use to avoid the pain, whatever method it is, right? It could be alcohol and drugs. It can be a donut, you know, whatever. It could be, it could be binge watching. I mean, I've, I've done this. I'm dealing with like something heavy emotionally. So then I, I just binge watch whatever, eight episodes in a row. It's just, it's just a numbing mechanism, right? And so when we learn to embrace it, kind of like what, what you're saying, um, you see what a, what a gift it is. So Qigong, I, about 15 years ago, a friend of my mom actually invited me down to Houston to teach me. A, he did a three-day Qigong class with me. 
And man, I wish I would have, I was, I don't know, 20 something, but I wish I would have really taken it in and taken the essence or the juice of what he taught me. I practiced some of the stuff a little bit over time, but never really embraced it fully. And it's like really now, let's say in the last two years that I'm really sort of taking some of it in. I want you to talk a little bit about Qigong, but you mentioned in your interview yesterday that for years you walked around shoulders up. And I so relate to that. This, this, I would say the first 35, 40 years of my life, I'm 46, you know, many years of my life, I just walked around like this and probably just now learning how to breathe, just breathe. Something so simple, right? So talk to the listeners a little bit about what Qigong is and why it's helpful. Qigong is an ancient Chinese practice, an ancient Chinese healthcare system that combines several different aspects, flowing movement, standing postures, deep breathing, breathing that's coordinated with movement, focused intention to activate, cultivate, and circulate life force energy. And life force energy is that energy that makes our hearts beat. It's that energy that is behind the emotions that we feel and the thoughts that we have and the and our connection to the divine. It's all energy and it's all chi. When you look at the word qigong and you and you break it down, qi means energy and breath, and gong means work or skill. So qigong is a practice of becoming more skillful at managing our own energy. What I love about Qigong is that it just, it gives you energy. It gives you energy in a way that's nourishing. And at the same time, it has the ability to calm you at the same time and and relax you. I love the way that it has the ability to focus the mind. The mind can tend to be very scattered, very chaotic. And there's something about the movement practice and the slow, deep breathing that helps us to just focus the mind and bring bring the self into the present moment. Oftentimes, there's a focus of looking at the past and sometimes looking at the past with regret or looking at the future and, and not always looking at it in a very optimistic way. Sometimes we look at the future with fear and hesitation. But what I love about Qigong and all those practices, whether it's yoga or just meditation, all the other Eastern practices, it helps us to be, to bring ourselves into the present moment because really this is all we have. Now is all we have. This is where we hold our power in the present moment. So there's something also very simple about that. Life is much simpler when we can just focus more more on the present moment than yesterday and tomorrow. And I think one of the things that causes stress, and Qigong is an amazing practice to help us manage stress, it helps us to be present in the moment because we feel stress when we're regretting the past or worrying about the future. Being in the present moment, there's an opportunity to just deal with the now. And right now, I'm sitting having a conversation with you. Right now, I have a warm cup of coffee next to me and I'm going to take a sip. (laughs) (laughs) It's very simple. So that's the power of the medicine. Wow. Yeah. The present moment. I like to talk about it. Like it's the only real estate we can truly own. That's how I look at it. It's like, this is, this is it right here. Right. (laughs) This is, this is it. This is all it is. You said something really important at the beginning. I want to highlight uh, to the listeners that the energy that you're able to generate through the Qigong practice is a 
a different type of energy than an energy that you may get from a supplement, even caffeine. I mean, I know you're drinking a cup of coffee. This is not directed at you. There are some people that actually drink coffee for energy or take supplements for energy. And so the way when I talk to clients about it, it's almost like putting on an energy coat versus having energy in your bones. That's sort of the difference. Like that energy, it's sort of, you know, frenetic and sporadic and frantic, right? Ah, you know, I've, I've taken like pre-workouts before workout and I'm, you know, you all versus something <laughs> where it's almost like, it's almost like a calm laser beam. It's like, it's just focused, directed, but calm. It's powerful. And, you know, it's it's difficult because this type of practice is, is something you can talk about, but really until you experience it on different levels, will you really be able to understand the potency of, of what this what this thing is? I've meditated uh, probably for about 10 years, but consistently every day for probably about five years. And it's just, it's changed the biochemistry of my body. Obviously, I'm not perfect. I still get upset. Uh, I still get depressed. I still get anxious. But the point is the the degrees of it have changed a bit, right? The frequency of it has changed a bit. And you talk about some of this in your book. Love the format of the book. I haven't read the book, but I really love the format, how you sort of start off talking about yourself and giving a little, some clues. Then, you, you know, you begin to give some some practical tips about triggers and different things. But the part to me that's most beautiful about the book, and we can talk about it a little bit, is how you bring the voice of others that are in your life to talk about their addiction journey from both sides, right? Because you even have someone who's not addicted, but who's in relationship with someone who is and what that's, and how, how that affects them. It gives someone who's in this state a really comprehensive view of the whole thing. Cause it's not just what they're going through, but how are they affecting the people around them? So to talk a little bit about the book and I guess just what, what do you want people to get out of it? Cause it's a labor of love, right? We talked about it before about birthing a baby. It's a labor of love. So what is the, the message from here that you're trying to give to people that are going through addiction or trying to fight addiction? I think ultimately I want people to walk away from their experience with the work, with the book, with a sense that they're not alone, that they're not alone in their challenges and the things that they're, they're dealing with. I also want people to know that they are worthy of change and transformation. And also I want to provide a series of tools that people can pull upon to help them create the life that they really want. That's really what I want people to to get from from the book. And and I appreciate you highlighting the fact that there are other voices in the book besides my own, because what I really wanted to do in this experience was provide community for people. Addiction is a very isolating disease to to have and to try to dig your way out of and find solutions for. And so community and connection is so important. And there's, there's so many studies about how connections with other people, relationships are incredibly healing, that we can endure trauma in life and your ability to move past it is in large part connected to the amount of support you have, people in your life, loving you, caring for you, listening to you, helping you to feel safe in your body. Yeah. 
all the opposite people that are not doing that that you need to remove from your, from yeah, your life. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I, in the pages of the book, I wanted to provide that because there are things in my story that people will identify with for sure. And then there are also things that they might not, but they might identify with Marty's story or, or Keith's story or or Jennifer's story. I think that that's really important. And to also show that addiction affects everyone. If you were to put me in a room with all the people that I feature in the book, we're all so different. We're all so different on the outside, but on the inside, we're so much alike. And that's the truth about all of us, right? Correct. Great point. Yeah. So the book is just me sharing my experience, my strength, and my hope and tools that have helped me on my recovery journey. I've been, I've been in recovery for a little over 20 years. And a lot of the tools that, are, that I offer in the book are things that I gathered from working with sponsors, things that I gathered from my time with step 12 step work. Also things that I gathered from my experiences with therapists and books that I've read. But a lot of the practices came for me came into my life at 10 years of sobriety. The Qigong and the self-massage and the deep breathing and meditation really entered my life in a meaningful way after I was sober for 10 years. And, and a big thing happened for me and I, and I needed to gather more tools because I was facing something in life that I had never faced before. I had to reach out, otherwise I was going to drown. And so those things came into my life and, and affected me in a profound way. And so I knew that I would use these practices for the rest of my life. And I knew that they were things that I needed to share with other people because they work, they're effective, they're simple, and they're accessible. Do you want to share what that other thing was that, that happened? Well, I talked about it a little bit earlier when I talked about I am enoughness. When I entered Chinese medicine school, I moved from New York to California. I was so certain that that's what I was supposed to do. I just knew it. I just knew it. And every bone in my body, I knew it. And I had to work really hard to get into graduate school because I had to fix a lot of the wreckage of my past, of my addictions and, and not, not being a good student in the past. And so I had a lot to clean up. So I worked really hard to do that. And then I finally arrived only to realize that it's not what I wanted to do, that, that I, I needed to make a course correction. And it brought up a whole lot of old stuff of, again, not enoughness, not belonging, not being smart enough. And it was very difficult. I was having panic attacks. I was feeling so much anxiety. I couldn't sleep at night. I would be sitting in my car before I'd walk into class shaking because I was so filled with angst. And one of the things that helped me to move through that was the practices, was the Qigong. It helped me to calm down. It helped me to self-regulate because my nervous system was in overdrive. Just those simple practices, along with things like watching how much caffeine I put into my body because that was that leads to anxiety as well. And it encouraged me also, that period encouraged me to just lean into my 12-step work as well, go to more meetings, share with people what was going on. Don't keep it a secret. Don't try to suffer. Don't suffer through this in silence. 
But the practice of Qigong was huge because I was able to take all that emotional energy I was feeling and all the tension that was building in my body as a result of it. I had a practice that I could use to help me to take that energy and circulate it and to bring me into the present moment because I was so triggered. And whenever you're triggered and, it, and, and you feel triggered by something that's happening in the moment, but it's reflecting something that happened in the past, that's trauma. And the practice helped me to work through that trauma, that trauma response that I was having. There's, there's a lot here. You mentioned something and you, you, you keep saying it, but you're not saying it. There's three things you need for either an addiction or guilt or something to, to precipitate, uh, to, to continue. You said it yesterday, but one of them is secrecy. Oh, shame. We're talking about shame. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. So shame, uh, Brene Brown says that in order for shame to survive, it needs three things, secrecy, silence, and judgment. Perfect. I was driving, I couldn't write it down, but I remember that, like, that's, that's so profound. Yeah. And so that's part of sharing, you know, what, what's going on with you. The way I, I look at these practices, Stephen, is it's a way to regain agency. For me, I was molested as a, as a child. And for so many years, I just felt a lack of agency. I didn't have the vocabulary for it, right? But that's really what it was. Mm -hmm. But when you can take your hand and move it slowly and breathe, and it's a concerted effort, there's something that happens. And there's, there's an empowerment that happens. And, I, and again, people that are listening, you hear us talking. And if you're looking at the video, you're like, well, what is this guy doing moving his, moving his hand? Very <laughs> <It's> slow. Something... <laughs> <laughs> mindfully, mindfully. Yes. Yeah. It's something you have, to, you have to really experience. I think our society, we're sort of programmed for things that are easy. So we have a problem, we take a pill, it, it goes away. And listen, I'm a physician. I was trained in allopathic medicine. Grew up sort of with an Eastern minds, mindset because of my parents. So I understand when you need both. You need Eastern medicine and Western medicine. And fortunately or unfortunately, our medicine really is about fixing the problem or addressing the problem. It doesn't really fix the problem. Addressing the problem, addressing the symptoms, right? So if I have a cough, I don't address what's causing me the cough, which, you know, unless it's a, bac if it's a bacterial or viral infection, it's because of the inflammation inside of the bronchioles that your body is saying something's wrong here. Let's get this thing out. So you're coughing. We don't really often address that. We might address the cough itself. So we take a cough suppressant, right? But not addressing the actual issue. And I think Eastern, and it's a shame you didn't go to Chinese medicine school. I think you'd have been a great Chinese doc, Chinese medicine doc, addresses, tries to address the, the root cause of the, of the issue. And those are sort of the difference. And I think you need both. Um, like we, we, we said before, I think you need both. I just want to ask you this really quickly. A lot of people know what Tai Chi is, right? Tai Chi is a little bit more commercial, if you will. If there is a difference, would you say there's a difference between Tai Chi and Qigong? Well, I've heard that Tai Chi is just another form of Qigong. That's what I've heard from many different sources over the years. And one of the main differences about between Qigong and Tai Chi is that Tai Chi, you learn a sequence of movements. You learn a sequence of movements and they're all different and they come into, the, they eventually form this flowing phrase. 
And in Qigong, we take one movement and we do it over and over again, the same movement. So that's one, one big difference. I think they're all practices of energy cultivation, and they all have a very similar effect in terms of the way that they give us energy and also provide a, a, a calming effect on the body and the mind. And they're both just beautiful, ancient practices. Okay, cool. Let's uh, jump to our last section here called first impressions. So I'm going to give you a word and you're just going to give me your first impression of it. What, what's the first thing that comes to mind? You ready? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that may even going to add another one here at the end. Just from, <laughs> just from okay. your answer. All right. First one. Love. Mm, love is everything. Everything. Number two, addiction. Addiction uh, and opportunity. Opportunity. Truth. Freedom. Breath. Life. Mm. Thought you were going to say everything again. <laughs> heaven. What comes to mind is here. There's, there's aspects of heaven right here. Hell. Here, <laughs> aspects of it, aspects of it on the planet for sure. Yes, but I also think it's 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 something that's a, a concept in the mind mm -hmm. as well. That's a deep. That's another conversation we could have. <laughs> it is. It is, and I'll just add quickly that one way I've started to look at things is if you don't know evil, then you can't know good. And so sometimes our interface or interaction with, we'll just broadly say, evil, is necessary. Brilliant. Well said. Next one. Qigong. Hmm. <laughs> Energy. Last one. Smile. Ah. Oh. <laughs> uh. oh. <laughs> You're going to laugh at me when I tell you what came to mind. Go ahead. No, I won't. Butter. Just like butter. Butter. Just like just butter. Just like Smooth butter, baby. And just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good going down. It's just, yes. you know, it's delicious. That's something we didn't we didn't talk about, but you mentioned it yesterday about just you know the power of laughter and sometimes if I work I work with people also and sometimes we'll talk about I'll just say you know just just turn the corner of your mouth up all right now you did that part now just just show your teeth and by the time you do that it just it changes again it changes your whole chemistry it gets you in another another rhythm right it's, it's all it's all about rhythm all right great Stephen we gave the people a lot I like to do these in powerful packets I don't want to make it too long or too short. But I think we gave them a good amount of information to digest. And for those that are listening that may be going through something, whether it's a marijuana addiction or alcohol or Krispy Kreme or work addiction, maybe you're addicted to rejection. I, don't, I mean, there's all, all types of addictions. Um, whatever it is, know that you're not alone and know that you have a resource, many resources, but a great one here. Mr. Stephen Washington. He also, on his website, I'll let him talk about it. Uh, Stephen Washington Experience has uh, an opportunity for you to engage with him more uh, through educational videos to learn more about how the process works. But you can talk to a little bit of, uh, to the people about how they can connect with you and um, learn more about your work. Absolutely. So Stephen Washington Experience is my website. And like you just mentioned, you can find resources there that can help you in your life. I have many, many videos in my archive 
the site will lead you to YouTube where I have tons of free videos on the site. You can also purchase my book, Recovering You, Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. You can find it at Amazon, uh, other booksellers, as well as Audible. You can find a lot of my online courses there. And also my membership community, SWE Studio, where I create wellness content. I, I teach a class that combines Pilates and Qigong. And I also include in the membership lots of different other wellness practices like meditation and laughter medicine and dance and all kinds of good stuff. I think of what I teach in the book as a great foundation for building a self-care practice, whether you're dealing with addiction or whether you are someone who loves someone who is dealing with addiction, because we all need support. And the SWE studio is a wonderful way to continue that education and to continue to receive that support and build a more lasting and enduring practice. And if you liked his voice, which is very soothing, make sure you get the audiobook because he, re- he, he reads the, his own audiobook, which is great. All right, good people. I will sign off as I always do that the truth will set you free if you let it.